Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. Man, I'm excited because today we have Scott Groves. I've been following Scott on social media for years. I know he's done a ton of cool things. He's got a coaching program. He's done a bunch of cool things. I think the coolest thing, though, is, you know, you're just a BJJ practitioner, right? Also yeah. a loan officer, does a whole bunch of things like that. So welcome to the show, Scott. Thank you for being here, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, man. So give us, you know, I don't know, 30 seconds. Just give us an intro into who you are, what kind of got you into the industry, things like that, right? Yeah, well, it starts in my parents having sex uh, 43 and a half years ago. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, you know, graduated high school, went to the Army, got out of the Army, had no clue what I was going to do. Go to like Pasadena City College and a girlfriend of mine was like, hey, man, I'm an assistant branch manager at Washington Mutual. And if you're going to college full time, you only have to work here part time to get benefits. So I was like, oh, uh-huh. cool. My mom told me like getting benefits and health insurance is important. Started working at Washington Mutual in uh, 2000. Started doing second mortgages, then first mortgages, rode that wave all the way up until Washington Mutual shit the bed and they folded and it was sad. Uh, And then didn't know what I was going to do, man. I remember taking my last couple bucks going to a wedding in Belize for like a friend of a friend. And I was flying back and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to go apply to be like a middle manager at Ikea in Burbank or whatever. And uh, luckily met some realtors at this wedding and they're like, no, man, come be the in-house lender at Prudential. Like, even if the economy is completely going to hell in a handbasket, a couple people a month will give you a loan if you work in-house in a real estate office. So mm-hmm. I did that. And then from like 2009-ish, 10-ish through about 2015, when we leveled out at like 100 million production, you know, doubled our business every single year. And then sure. in 2015, due to some success and just falling in love with like the personal development and the coaching space and joining a bunch of masterminds and going to Tony Robbins, I was like, dude, I can do this for the mortgage industry. So started a coaching program. The size of that coaching program has grown every year since 2015. And here we are, man. Like I've pretty much handed off a majority of our mortgage business other than the lead generation, which is the part I'm still passionate about. Handed that off to my two girls, Anne and Dallas. They're awesome. They crush it for our clients and our realtors. And I'm about 60, 70% all in on coaching. Just recently changed companies, moved to Synergy One where they brought me in as their in-house coach at the corporate level. So it's like, I've got my mortgage business. I got my third-party coaching business with Consolidated Coaching. And now I'm the in-house coach for Synergy One Lending, which is like a lot of fun. And ironically, less work than it sounds like because it's just about good content and good results. And people don't care whether you get them results in 10 minutes or 10 hours, as long as you're giving them good content and good results. So that's kind of where we stand now going into the last quarter of 2022. Love it, man. Love it. I used to actually work for Security One Lending, which was uh, Tasha Synergy One at one point. Um, oh, awesome. so I, I worked on the reverse mortgage side. And so, yeah, I'm very familiar with that company. Great company. And I know they've gone through some iterations since then. I'm sure it's very different from when I was there, but uh, Hey, you know what? So cool, man. I love that. I love the fact that like, I mean, you know, when you started, you've gone through some tough times. I mean, obviously you hit 2007, eight, all that time when uh, obviously WAMU disappeared, that used to actually be my bank and now it's Chase. Yep. They just basically transitioned right over. So tell me about like that. Like, would you say that's fairly similar to kind of what we're going through right now? Or, or what do you see in terms of you know, the market shifting and the differences between those two sort of eras. 
You know, it's a really good question that we get a lot in the mortgage business. I actually think people are asking the wrong question, not to insult you, because I, I was asked the wrong question for about a year. I think I figured out what the right question is. And the wrong question is, hey, are property values going to go up or down? Right. All right. Well, who the hell knows? I don't have a crystal ball. If I could bet on the future of the stock market, I wouldn't be talking to you. I would be... Right. Um, I'd be sitting on my own private island drinking Mai Tais, right? The thing that I'm concerned about, and people are seeing this, but they're still not asking the right question, is realtors, lenders, whatever, we don't get paid, you know, incrementally we get paid a little bit more, but we don't really get paid if the house is worth $750 or $850. We get paid because the property changes hands and we get to do a loan. Realtors right. don't get significantly more money if the house sells for 370 or 420. They get paid if the house changes hands. And so, you know, everybody is prognosticating from the media to mortgage companies to whatnot. They're talking about, oh, our property value is going to go up or down, our interest rate is going to go up or down. Well, all of that is just a byproduct of our properties changing hands, which is what sure. we really care about. Because if there's 5 million purchase transactions in America versus 3.5 million purchase transactions in America in 2023, you know, guess which one's going to be real bad for loan officers? Like fewer transactions, fewer deals. So I can't remember the technical term if it's M or something like that, but there's some technical term for the velocity of money. And I sure. think what we're going to see personally, if I was pretending to have a crystal ball, is like maybe properties go up or down five, 10%. You know, maybe inflation keeps them artificially high and rates means they should be going down. They kind of just level out. But who cares about the price? What we sure. should be worried about as loan officers is like the velocity of transactions and the number of deals in the marketplace. That's where I think loan officers are going to wash out. And this is hard for me to say since I coach a lot of loan officers I care about. Even some of the good ones are going to get washed out because there just isn't going to be a pie large enough to split up amongst all the loan officers that got into the business in the last three years. Yep. I, uh, I tend to agree with that point because, I mean, we've already eliminated, what, roughly 50% of the business in a year, right? We're talking about refinances. Right. Um, in addition to that, I know we're seeing, you know, lower than a long time application volume which means, you know, there's less deals to be had. And so there's definitely going to be, and, and you, you mentioned it, there's a difference between a good loan officer and someone that knows how to lead generate, which is obviously why we're partially on this podcast. There's a lot right. of good loan officers that aren't so good at lead generating, right? Which unfortunately, or fortunately for the people that are good at it is really almost the hardest part of, you know, obviously doing the loans hard too, right? Like I'm not taking anything away from that, but like you need to be able to grow your business or at the very least maintain it and have a way to sustainably grow your business. And even the ones, you know, the guys that were closing two, three loans over the last couple of years, those guys now, you know, are down to one loan a month, right? The people yeah. that are closing eight, nine loans a month. And I'm seeing this every single day. Like, you know, they're closing 10, 15 loans last year. Now they're closing six, seven, which is still great, right? But that's like a 50% reduction in a lot of people's volume. So I know you do a lot of coaching, how do you get people like prepared for this? Like, you know, your coaching students, things like that. Like, what do yeah. you, I have a book problem and my wife and I finally came to the agreement over there is a bookshelf. I'm only allowed to keep a hundred books in my house at any given time. So That's I have fun. a list of my 100 favorite books. And like, if I buy a new book and I read it, it's either got to go to somebody as a gift or I got to replace it with one of my top hundreds, right? That's and awesome. somewhere over here around book number 23 is Gary Keller's book, The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. 
And I've probably read thousands of books at this point. My top hundred right there, I've read multiple times. One of the lines that stands out is in Gary Keller's Millionaire Real Estate Agent. He talks about, you know, the first job of a real estate agent is to lead generate. The second mm-hmm. job of a real estate agent is to lead generate. The third job of a real estate agent is, and then he's like, somewhere way down the list is negotiate contracts and do listing appointments. Because right. at the end of the day, if you're a realtor or a loan officer, or you sell medical equipment, or you sell, you know, engineering processors, what if you bring in the deal, somebody on the team will help you close the deal. Right. But if you don't bring in the deal, nobody gets paid, nobody gets fed. And so I agree with you. There's some people, I can think of a couple of them who are loan tacticians like you wouldn't believe. I mean, they're like Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man with their ability to recall guidelines and structure this and add back in the section 179 depreciation. And that's awesome. And they absolutely win deals through their intelligence and saving the deals that other loan officers screw up. So good for them. I'm proud of them. And if you want to survive this next couple of years, you've got to be a ferocious lead generator and you've got to be omnipresent with your lead generation. Meaning, you know, you need to be in a program that does digital marketing like what you do, right? And you've got to be picking up the phone and calling your database. And you've got to be staying in front of the realtors you wish you were working with. And you've got to be posting on social media. And I understand that all of that sucks. I just want to close loans. I don't want to have to be my own marketing department and pay for a third-party digital marketer and also do headshots every couple of years because I got to look professional. I hate all that shit, man. I want to go back to 2005 where I can work 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the bank, not have a cell phone that my clients have the phone number to, not work weekends. And if I close the loan on time, I'll get more referrals. I would love to go back to that. But the industry has moved past that to where now right. we've got to be our own lead generator. We got to be our own social media marketer, or you have to outsource to an awesome company like yours to do that. And we have to do the post-closing follow-up for our realtors. And right. we have to have video tutorials to explain all the stuff realtors used to explain to their client when they sat down with them and met them the first time. And the reality is none of that's happening. And if you don't catch up, you will not be in this business by the end of 2023, which sucks. I don't like it. I'm not happy about it. But I also know what needs to happen to make sure my team and myself can make the kind of money we want to make for our families. So like, get over yourself, understand that it kind of sucks, find a way to gamify it, and then go crush it and get business while other people are just dying on the vine. Yeah, I, Sorry, I love that. Stuff. No, no, no. I, I love it because it's true. I mean, especially in 2022, it's so much harder this year than it has been in, I would say, the last, what, 10, 12, 14 years to get business. It just yeah. is because yeah. we've been in a what you call a bull market for the last 10 to 12 years or whatever yeah. the amount of time it has been. And so it has been fairly easy to get business, right? I mean, especially the last two years. The other thing you talk about, you have to lead generate. The other thing that I hear loan officers all the time say is like, I'm not a salesperson. I'm an advisor. Like, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I have plenty of thoughts, but like, what are your thoughts on that? Because yeah, yeah I, mean, I think you, you bought some $999 program that convinced you into being something you're not like, look, man, I appreciate the programs that are out there for post closing follow-up, right? I listen to Barry Habib every morning so that I can understand the market. I use sure. Dave Savage's mortgage coach so I can present the finances in an advisory role. But don't kid yourself. 
We are in a transactional business, right? We are not a financial advisor where the client gets a investment statement from us every month that they want to look at. Now, HomeBot and HomeIQ, which I actually like HomeIQ a little bit better, they have found a way to do an email drip of like using your house as a financial tool and whatnot. Let's see how that feels if property values start going down, right? Right, So, you know, a financial advisor you know, they're talking to the client every couple of years when they have to roll over their 401k, right? They're doing the IRA contributions every year. They're talking about the family, about their 529 plan. When the market goes down, the client's spooked, they give them a call. When the market goes up, they give them a call and they talk about the market going up and should they take some money out. So this idea that we're going to transform ourselves into home advisors, like, give me a break, man. It took me a lot of years to come to this realization, because I would get kind of personally offended that the client would love on the realtor and post on social media how Susie Q just found them an amazing house. And we literally just pulled off an act of God to get them into the loan and into the house. And we wouldn't even get a thank you card, right? It took me a long time to come to grips with the fact that the realtor gets them into their dream house where they want to spend many years, maybe the rest of their life. We put them in debt for 30 years. There's nothing sexy about putting somebody in debt for 30 years. So can we stay in front of them? Absolutely. Can we use a system like Home IQ to follow up with them and help them understand that there is ongoing financial conversations? Absolutely. Are we ever going to be as close with them as their insurance advisor or their financial planner or their kid's teacher? No, no chance in hell. So understand that there's a relationship part of the business, you know, when we're going B2B with the realtor, I think you can be in deep relation with your realtors. And then there's a transactional side of the business when we're going B2C. And, you know, I catch a lot of people sometimes where they're like, no, man, I I really, I'm here as an advocate for veterans and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, listen, dude, you want to want to care, but what you really want is to close the deal and feed your family. And that's okay. Just be honest it about it. And it if is. you want to have a really deep relationship, have it with your title rep and your insurance guy and your referral sources who will give you deals and, you know, drink with them, play golf with them, know their kids' names, know what their favorite books are. But like, come on, man, we're not advisors. No one's calling their clients six months after the house closed to refer them, you know, a gutter contractor because you're worried about the oncoming rainy season. The deal's done. You got paid. It's okay to admit that. Oh, right. man. As you can tell, you're a little fired up about these topics. You're pushing all my buttons, bro. <laughs> well, and the reason I bring that up is because I just, I literally saw it, I think it was today or yesterday. Someone was like, well, I'm not a salesperson, I'm an advisor. What I don't like about that statement is it's saying that being a salesperson is a bad thing. And right. in my opinion, being a salesperson is a good thing. And yeah. if you truly believe you have what's best for that person and you do it ethically, then it's your obligation to convince them to work with you. Because if you truly believe you have the best product, and the best service, and you can do what's best for this person, this prospect, you should convince them. You shouldn't let them go to someone else. You shouldn't let them go to Rocket Mortgage, who's going to be a better salesperson, because I'm educating my people. No, like you're right. actually probably educating them into not working with you because they're confused now. Yeah. Honestly, man, shout out to my buddy, Andrew Paul. He's a loan officer down in San Diego. Awesome dude. Love him to death. He actually coaches with Echelon Front and that uh, Jocko Willings group. I'm trying to talk him into coming over to coach with us, with our company. So shout out to Andrew if you're listening to this. I was talking to him about this. I was like, Andrew, I'm like, I'm a veteran. I was in from 97 to 2000, but I got out of the military September 11th, 2000. 
So it's like, yeah, I was an infantry guy. Yeah, I would have gone to Afghanistan or Iraq, but I got out before the shit hit the fan. And sometimes I feel like a little bit of like a fake veteran because so many of my friends that are vets, you know, they were Navy SEALs. They were Delta Force, Green Berets, Rangers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they got shot at and they shot at people and they saw some horrific things they can't see. And so I told them, I'm like, you know, even though I'm a veteran, even though I've done a shit ton of VA loans, I know all the ins and outs. I feel weird putting myself out there as like, I'm this veterans advocate because I was in the army, blah, 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 blah. Because it's like my time in service, I sat at Fort Riley, Kansas and got drunk for three years. Like, you know, we just, <laughs> we, we drank and we swept the motor pool. And we did a lot of road marching. So I got giant calves from carrying around a hundred pounds worth of mortars and ammunition in my backpack. But like, I never shot at anybody. Like, you know, sure. like I just feel a little inauthentic. And he gave me some coaching on this. And he's like, hey man, do you do a good job on VA loans? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Like we crush it. And he's like, well, great. That's what you should be proud of. And if you know that the guy down the street is screwing it up because he's not even pulling the certificate of eligibility before he gives them a pre-approval letter, you're sure. actually doing that veteran a disservice by not selling yourself, by not selling yep. your services. And, you know, again, he really gave me permission to go out there and do the thing that I know I can do well. And it's like, I coach this stuff and I was still insecure about it. I think anybody who's trying to say, I'm an advisor, not a salesperson. If they really do some deep reflection, it's because they're insecure about their sales ability and yep. they don't want to feel slimy and they don't know how to authentically, you know, connect with people. And so instead of learning sales skills and instead of becoming a better salesperson where you can authentically be you, then they're just hiding behind this. I'm an advisor. Right. Yeah. And I had percent agree. And the reason I, you know, I brought that up is again, I mean, I see it all the time. Again, this comes back to this idea that salespeople are bad, salespeople are slimy. In my opinion, sales is just a tool. It's a way for us to, and again, if used ethically, of course, there's ways to you know be unethical and do things that aren't in the client's best interest. But if you truly believe it is in their best interest, like you can do what's best for them. A salesperson ultimately is an advisor. That's what's funny is that like in my head, like a salesperson is an advisor because they're going to say, hey, like, what is it that you need to do to accomplish the thing that you want to get? Right. And so again, I just think it's funny that like you know, people hide behind, I'm going to educate them. It's like, okay, but like, do they really need to know about DTI and LTV and whatever, BRB and all the other, uh, you know, acronyms that the mortgage industry right. has? Or are you using, you know, techno babble? Are you using words that they don't understand, which makes them feel like an idiot? And then you're actually scaring them away from doing business with you. That's actually a detriment to you as a loan officer, to be honest. So uh, I let, thought that was me, pretty interesting. Can I give some impromptu coaching here? Absolutely. Okay. So here is being a slimy salesperson being an authentic salesperson versus being an advisor, right? So when we got on, I noticed your shirt that says coffee for closers. An inauthentic, slimy salesperson would be like, oh man, that's a great shirt. I love that. And then you would ask me, oh, are you a fan of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? And I'm like, oh, what's that? You know, because the shirt coffee for closers comes from the movie Glenn Gary, right. Glenn Ross that was made in the right. 80s. Alec Baldwin got nominated for an Oscar for his 10 minute role in that movie as this hardcore, aggressive alpha male salesman. So it would be slimy if I didn't know what your shirt was about to be like, oh, great shirt. Yeah, man, coffee's for closers. And then you asked me a follow-up question. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I look like an idiot. <laughs> That's a slimy salesperson trying to give a inauthentic compliment. It's flattery, right? Sure. Flattery is gross. We all know when we're getting it. Now, an authentic salesperson knows that there's a methodology for giving a compliment. And the format, it's just a three-part format, compliment, qualifier, and then ask a question. Compliment, qualifier, and then ask a question. So if we weren't going into the podcast 
and I was just trying to build rapport with you, right? Maybe I wanted to get on your podcast. I knew who you were and like I was trying to build a relationship. I'd be like, hey, Luke, coffee's for closers, man. I love that shirt. That's the compliment. Here's the qualifier. I say that because my wife is 10 years younger than me. And every time I make some reference to an 80s movie, she just looks at me like a deer in headlights. So we spend every Saturday night going back and watching 80s movies, you know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Labyrinth, The Never Ending Story, Karate Kid, Top Gun. And now here comes the last part of it to get into rapport and build a relationship. What's your favorite 80s movie? Right. So like there's the slimy version of the salesperson who gives a inauthentic compliment that's just flattery. Then there's sure. the real authentic salesperson who finds a way for us to connect by giving the compliment, asking a question, and then giving a qualifier. And then if I wanted to go into advisor mode, I might just come across as a douchebag and be like, hey, man, coffee's for closers. That's a really cool logo. But is your T-shirt made by Next Level? Because I'll tell you, Next Level T-shirts are the best, softest T-shirts. And you're like, why is this guy critiquing my T-shirt? Like, give me a break, man. I'm just trying to get a coffee here. Well, so I think and I would say it is actually Next Level. <laughs> of course it is. Of course, because you are a Next Level podcaster. So that's a Next Level <laughs> T-shirt. So my point is, is that, the people that either come across with the inauthentic, gross, slimy flattery, or the people that take the advisory role too far, you're turning off your audience. Like right. you can be a salesperson and be authentic about the sale. So anyway, yeah. that's my impromptu yeah. coach. No, and I love it. It's 100% truth. And again, I think this comes back to the, I mean, think about it. Like we've been conditioned over the years to hate salespeople. So like we think that by saying we're not a salesperson, people are like, oh yeah, you know, I'm not gonna, but like the truth is again, like sales is not about forcing someone to do something that they don't wanna do. Sales is about helping and guiding them do what they wanna do and getting them past their fears. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, like people don't wake up in the morning and want a mortgage. They wake up in the morning and not even in the morning, they just wake up and they want a house, right? Like that's the American dream. Mortgage is not sexy. So like, how do you get the emotional tie-in to have that conversation where you then can talk about the finance. So many times, again, and I'm a person that deals with leads and things like that. It's like people start trying to get into the financing questions, talking to people that don't even know who they are. Like, oh yeah, let's, let's get your credit pulled and stuff. It's like, well, that's not going to work with a, and you can get away with that with referrals. You can't get away yeah. with that if you're talking to someone who has no idea who you are, right? So you have right. to get emotional buy-in. I mean, there's goals and motivations too. Like so many times we talk and we get their goals. We don't understand their why, their motivation. Like, why are they doing this thing? And that, in my opinion, is what makes you stand out as a loan officer. It's not being an advisor. It's right. asking the right questions and actually understanding what their problems are and putting them into the right programs that align with their goals. Everybody's yeah. going to be like, oh, I'm going to put you in a 30-year fix because that's what everybody gets. Well, maybe that's not the best thing for them, <laughs> right? Right. You know, you can test this thesis if you're in the advisor camp or if you just don't really know where you fall. You can test this thesis by the next time somebody goes under contract, tell them this, say, hey, man, we're going to send out the disclosures on your loan at kind of the worst case scenario with interest rates. We could lock today and we could go over all those numbers. You know, I pay some money to these bond trackers in order to like get alerts every day on whether we should lock the loan and be done with it or whether we should float the loan and see where the interest rates are tomorrow. So let me just ask you. Do you want to float the loan and we can talk every day about all your loan options or the interest rates? Or I can keep an eye on the market for you. And when there's a good day to lock you in, I'll go ahead and lock you in and let you know. But it won't be any higher than X interest rate. 
90% of people will be like, okay, it's not going to be any higher than X. I know kind of what my maximum payment is. Hey, Scott, just use your best judgment and lock me in when necessary. Now, if they say, hey, I want to look at options every day, cool. Then we go to mortgage coach. We show them three different options with a point, with rebates, you know, arms, interest only, all the stuff. But most people just want to find somebody they trust, work with that person, have that person be authentic, and then be like, yeah, man, I trust you. You got me. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because there's probably, like you said, like 5% of people that are those over analytical people that even understand. I mean, I've been in the industry. I did a refinance in 2021 and I looked at my LE and I'm like, what the hell does this even mean? Like, I don't even know what this means. And I've been around the industry for like eight years now. Right. So it's like crazy. And so like most people are not going to be like super crazy about that kind of stuff. And there's only going to be a small percentage of people that are even interested in that information. And the other thing too, is like, go back to like, what does rocket say? Like, what does human psychology say? Right. Like, they don't want to overcomplicate the process. They're resistant to change. Yep. They're resistant to making big decisions. And they also don't want like a hard process. So like we all think, hey, the mortgage process is so difficult. There's so many things you got to do. So along comes Rocket, push button, get mortgage. And while we all know that's not true, they understand human psychology and they're using that in their benefit. And I bring this up all the time. I brought it up a couple of times on the podcast, but think about how you can apply those sort of concepts to the way you have conversations because I guarantee you, they're not talking about DTI and LTV and things like that in their conversations. They might not even be talking about mortgages at all for the first 30 minutes. I did an emergency coaching call yesterday that I broadcast to all the Facebook groups I'm in because I just wanted to get the free information out there and hopefully our industry can do it better. And, you know, starting yesterday, September of 2022, starting yesterday, a bunch of loan officers started posting the new conforming limits are 700 and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, guys, come on, man. So I did this coaching call and I told everybody, I'm like, look guys, facts tell and stories sell. So if you want to just put out a bunch of facts and flood your Facebook feed with the new conforming loan limit in San Bernardino County is 700. I'm like, that doesn't do anything. You're not going to get any clients from that. You're not going to motivate any realtors from that. You're not going to look like a rock star doing that. But If you tell a story, hey, you know, I had this client that wanted to buy in San Bernardino and they've got this great new job with a wonderful guaranteed salary. They can actually afford a $750,000 house. But unfortunately, because they're new in their career, they're new to the professional world. They had only saved about 5% down, couldn't find them a house they could get into for 5% down. Well, now that the conforming loan limits have gone up and the government will endorse a loan with 5% down at a higher limit. Now they're able to get into the $750,000 house with 5% down with a payment they can really afford. Huge success for my client, you know, uh, Hugo Del Toro, that's been trying to buy a house for two years or six months or whatever. It's like, cool, you craft this story around the data points, but like, gosh, us loan officers are the worst at like getting information out to our people. We're like, the average interest rate went from 4.375 APR to 5.25 APR. And it's like, okay, cool. You can post that. Or you can post a story about like, hey, loan officers, realtors, I know it's tough out there, man. Interest rates effectively doubled over the last 12 months. And of course, there's going to be some pain in the market. There's going to be some higher costs to carry a house, but it's going to be okay. All markets are cyclical. People need a place to live. You know, incomes are going up the same time interest rates are going up. So it's going to be all right. Just keep your head up, keep adding value, and we'll close some deals, right? Yep. That's going to get way more traction than the average APR in a 30-year fixed is 6.127, and that's up from yeah. 3.37. I'm like, yeah, we need to know that as loan officers. 
but nobody else gives a flying hoot. Right. Well, and it comes down to like, because really what you're doing with social media is you're advertising, you're marketing, right? right? So who are you advertising to? Like in that regard, if you're saying those things, the only people you're advertising to are other loan officers because they're the only ones right. that understand what you're talking about. Totally. guess what? They know the same thing. I mean, it's not like, you know, you guys are doing something that's crazy and secret and something like that. Like, yeah, like maybe someone's going to release, you know, the new guidelines a little earlier than others. But, you know, at the end of the day, like it's not going to change too much. And you got to, again, think about like, who is it that you're marketing to? Is it realtors or is it consumers and craft your stories and your things around those things? And I get it. You Every once in a while, if you want to post something that's funny to your other loan officers, whatever it is, what it is, like you can do that. But, you know, you just understand that it's not gonna you know really grow your business not gonna move your business forward it comes down to like you said stories are the best way to relay information and so there's a lot of different ways to craft that so many times people want to post like oh i closed these people like they'll post a picture but it's all they do is they post a picture i said it could be like telling the story about you know how you had to do this this and this with this couple hey they've been trying to do this for you know three months and you got them into a program you got their credit up and talk about the story of how you helped them you know get into a house. Like, how did you save the deal from the other loan officer that was incompetent? Like, tell the story. Um, and I think that's huge, man. You nailed it with the fact that this is all marketing, right? It's all marketing. Like, if I say BMW, like, what's the first thing that pops into your head? Uh, crazy drivers? Yeah, well, most people would probably say the ultimate driving machine, right? Like, oh. like, <laughs> like, BMW has done a really good job of being like BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Right, right, right. People don't go buy a $100,000 M3 because we raised the horsepower from 572 to 612 horsepower. And now the passenger seat is heated, not just the driver's seat. And the new trim is a leather, like, no, you buy a BMW because it's the ultimate driving machine. I want to drive fast and look cool doing it and have some creature comforts. I buy a BMW, right? I don't buy it because the new torque ratio is like, come on, give me a break, right? And like us loan officers are so bad at that. You know, kind of changing topics, but staying on the same kind of the vein, Luke. People call me all the time. Either they call me unsolicited because they want some free coaching or even some of my coaching members, I can tell when they're starting to take the coaching seriously because they'll be like, hey man, what's the script? I just, I need the script. You've been doing this for a long time. You coach a lot of people, you're successful. What's the script? And I'm like, all right, are you ready for it? Here's the script that's going to make you a million dollars. You call Luke, Luke's your realtor. You say, hey, Luke, did I catch you at a bad time? And if he knows who you are, he'll say, no, what's going on, Scott? And if he doesn't know who you are, he'll be like, no, no, who's this? And you say, oh, hey, this is Scott. You know, if he's somebody you know, then great. You're just gonna go on with this as Scott. And if he's not somebody you know, you say, hey, this is Scott. We work together on 123 Main Street or you were the listing agent on 12 Main Street or I just closed a deal with somebody in your office. And then the rest of the script is be a freaking human. Like that's the script, man. Like, hey, Luke, did I catch you at a bad time? Uh, no, no, who's this? Hey, Luke, it's Scott Groves, man. I've been meaning to connect with you. You were the listing agent on this deal that we closed about three weeks ago. Shame on me, we closed early, but I didn't do a good job of like calling you or building a relationship because everything was just moving so fast was wondering if we could grab coffee to, you know, celebrate or even better than that. Hey, we closed this house. You were the listing agent. I know it was right down the street from the new Rams stadium. Have you been to a game there yet at SoFi stadium? I hear it's awesome. And then Luke answers, well, no, I haven't been to a Rams game, but I went to a concert there. And you're just being a human. You're just starting a conversation. You're just trying to get in rapport with people. Right. Right. And it's like, there's no super secret script. If there was, then there would be no coaches. There would just be a right. script at mortgagescripts.com and we would all be super successful. But you just call, you ask them if you caught them at a bad time 
and then you act like a human and you start a conversation. And that's the way to get in relationship to somebody, to maybe have a business relationship with them, to maybe get a referral. Like if there was a way to make a call, get a referral, I would not be wasting time on a podcast right now. I would just be dialing for dollars with my script to get a referral every time the phone was picked up by a realtor. But that's just not how it works. Right. Like we got to build that relationship with the realtor. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, because like I'm a big proponent of scripts, but scripts to a certain extent are frameworks and in a lot of what i typically talk about and teach is like it comes down to like just being good at socratic dialogue which is like get better at asking good questions right if you get better at asking good questions you're actually going to understand and you know i had a guy on the podcast a while back and i've told this story a couple times but one of the things he said is like real estate agent reached out to him and says oh man i've heard so much good things about you and he's like, oh, great, let's get coffee or whatever. And so he's talking to this lady and he's like, yeah, so I can do this. I can do that. I can do this. We can close in 14 days. The realtor was like, yeah, that actually sounds stressful. I just want to make sure we close on time. And it's because he never actually had a conversation and said, hey, what do you actually want? Like, what do you want out of a partnership? Like, right. What is it you're actually looking to do? Like, okay, you want to grow your business? How? Like, what does that look like? And if you don't do that and you just pitch like, oh, I got the best rates and I pick up the phone and I do this, you sound like everybody else because you're not actually asking questions. You don't have to be that crazy different than anybody else. If you ask the right questions, it's going to make you stand out from everybody else. That's just the way I see it from a consumer standpoint and then also from a relationship standpoint. You know, it's that old adage of like being interested instead of being interesting, right? I can pitch somebody, we got this new crypto blockchain, second mortgage, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, oh, that's sure. that's interesting. But I only do FHA loans for you right. know people that are first-time buyers. And I'm talking about some crypto second for people with tons of equity and rich Southern Californians. And they're like, oh, well, I actually work out in Riverside County. I do a lot of FHA, you know, low money down first-time buyer. Oh, well, it turns out we're great at that too, but I forgot to ask the question, right? And sure. then same thing with your clients. You want to have fewer, I won't say none, but if you want to have fewer rate shoppers, ask a couple personal questions. Hey, Luke. And of course, this is not Luke's personal story. I'm just using your name as a placeholder. Hey, Luke, uh, why are you buying a new house? Oh, well, you know, I've got a baby on the way. I haven't even told the family yet, but I know we're going to need a bigger house. Or embarrassingly, we're getting divorced. We're downsizing, blah, 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 blah. Or, hey, we're empty nesters. I'm actually quite sad about it, but we're going to go move into a condo because we just all this space is depressing my wife. You know, you start mm-hmm. asking people personal questions. Why are you buying a house? What's important to you? Where do you want to live? None of this shit matters to the loan qualification, but you know what it matters? It matters that that person might not want to have the conversation five more times about getting divorced or getting married or having kids on the way or whatever. One, you've built rapport. And two, they're like, dude, do I want to tell four of their loan officers that I'm getting divorced? Like once you can get some personal information out of somebody, they're hooked. They're in on you, the loan officer. And if they're not, even if they still feel like I got to do my due diligence and make the calls, the next guy who's just like, what's your social, what's your credit score, what's your income? That's going to feel so impersonal that you're going to win the day. So, and sometimes you'll still lose three deals a month to rate shoppers because that's just the way that the dice roll. But um, you can increase your odds by being more in relation by asking better questions. And I love the fact that you use the term Socratic. Half your podcast listeners right now are going to have to go look up the word Socratic, but I loved it. Yeah, that's funny because no, it's true. And that comes down to this like idea of like, you actually under, have to understand their why because you can get their goals. And yeah, to a certain extent, you're going to get some people that are going to move forward. But if you understand their why and their motivations, you can leverage their motivations. And again, I'm saying leverage in like leverage them ethically, leverage them when this makes sense for them. But you can leverage those things as tools to get them to move forward and as ways to say, all right, cool. Like you just told me these three things. 
Like what is so important about moving forward today? Why now? In terms of like, let's just kind of wrap things up here. You know, what would you say is like, if you were to go out and go get business today, like if you were to start over, what would you do today to go get business? Obviously in the market like today, you know, we're in September, 2022, it's probably gonna be a couple of weeks or maybe even a month before this comes out. But what would you do today to go out and get business if you had to? Yeah, I would say if I was starting today or if I could go back in time, you know, I didn't get serious about databasing until about 2014, 2015. And so in seven years-ish, you know, we've got 7,000 people who have either contacted us, got pre-approved, closed loan, friends, family, dental hygienist, gardener, whatever. We got 7,000 people on our client list and about 4,000 people on our realtor list, people we've sent pre-approval letters to, you know, offices where we've closed deals. Had I been serious about databasing back in 2000, I'd probably have 20,000 clients, friends, families, past clients, pre-approvals, and 8,000 realtors, right? Sure. And there is going to come a time in the near future, thanks to companies like yours, where the size and quality of your database is almost more important than the quality of your work. And I hate to say that, but somebody on your team, a processor, an LOA, an underwriter, a manager, somebody will find a way to close the deal if you can bring the lead in. So right. the size and quality of your database is going to be so important. And so whether or not I could go back in time, start today, you plot me down in Sandusky, Ohio, and I got to build everything over again, I would say everybody you meet, get their email address and their phone number because everybody has the chance to be a buyer or a seller right. or a referral partner. And so, you know, being super diligent about databasing everybody, that would be thing number one. Um, okay. And then I would find a tactful way to have conversations about the market, right? Like with the person you're having coffee with, with your dental hygienist, with the PTA members at your kid's school, right? Like find a tactful way to just bring up conversations about the market. And then after you have a good free-flowing conversation, work it into the back end. Oh yeah. Hey, by the way, I'm a lender. So, you know, if you or anybody, you know, are looking to buy, sell or refinance a house for whatever reason, would love to be here as a free resource. People always want to talk about the market, the stock market, interest right, rates, right. houses, you know, selling sunset, but you know, all this stuff that's in the social zeitgeist, find a way to bring those conversations up and then just kind of slide it in the background that that's what you do for a living. And you're there as a resource, get their information and database them and follow up. That's what I would do. Yeah. And in terms of like, actually, so one, obviously getting the database, how do you manage it? Like, what do you do with it? Like, how often are you following up? Like, are you sending emails? Are you calling? Are you texting? Like, what's, I guess, just a quick, you know, tangible strategy in that regard into like, how would you manage that over time as it grows? Obviously, when you're getting started, you're just trying to get as many as you can. But as it grows, like, what would you do with that, you know, massive list of people? Yeah, you know, I would say pay a company like yours or, you know, there's a bunch of great service providers out there in the mortgage space that can do the digital follow-up. Sure. You know, a friend of mine that used to be the chief operating officer for Whiteboard CRM, he's like, my shitty marketing is better than your no marketing. So even if you have a misfire on an email campaign sure. or, you know, you accidentally call a closed client, a pre-approval buyer, it's okay. Things happen sometimes. So I right. would try to outsource the mass communication and then every loan officer in the world should have some type of connection tracker or call tracker. For those of you that are listening to this and not watching, I'm just holding up kind of our generic connection tracker that we distribute to our coaching clients of like sure. to make 10 
quality phone calls a day, right? Relationship building or relationship deepening, 10 phone calls a day to past clients, new realtors, existing realtors, listing agents. I've never met anybody who makes 10 proactive calls a day in the sales industry, much less in mortgage, and is starving. Like if you make 10 quality proactive calls a day to build or deepen a relationship, your career will be just fine. Well, and interestingly enough, like, yeah, that's huge. The next question I was going to follow up with is like, which I think the average person doesn't typically do that. I mean, 10 sounds like not very much, but most people are probably not doing that on a daily basis. What would you say is kind of like the average amount of time loan officers spend doing lead generating activities? One, what's the average? And then what should they be doing? Most loan officers average zero. Right. And simply because they don't put it in their calendar, right? Our calendar is a reflection of our values. If I'm having challenges with my spouse, I can look at my calendar and be like, oh, I've canceled date night three weeks in a row. You know, I'm not honoring that relationship with my wife. I got to block some time on my calendar for quality time with my wife. Oh, my six-year-old son's getting out a a little out of line and kind of getting a little mouthy. Oh, look at my calendar. It's been a week since I was the parent who took him to jujitsu at four o'clock. I got to clock out early, take him to jujitsu, have those fatherly conversations, right? My business is suffering. I don't have as much leads as I want. Oh, I probably haven't blocked out green time on my calendar for lead generation and prospecting, right? You gain 20 pounds during COVID. I can look at your calendar and see that workouts or meal prep or you know cooking at home is not on your calendar. So therefore you didn't work out and you ate a bunch of fast food, right? It's like our calendar and the way that we manage our time is a reflection of our values. So I would say the average loan officer does zero hours of active, intentional, like scheduled prospecting or lead generation. And if you are seasoned and you've got deals coming in and you've got busy work and you've got to structure loans, it should be a minimum an hour a day of lead generation. If you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to be in the industry in six months, you should be doing four hours a day of lead generation. And instead of 10 a day, you should be calling 40 a day because 30 of them aren't going to pick up the phone. And it sucks and it's really hard. And that's the job we chose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, this being a loan officer is far too hard of a job to make average money, right? Which is unfortunately what a lot of loan officers make is just average money. There's a lot of easier jobs to make 50, 60, 70 grand a year um, than being a loan officer and the stress that comes along with it. And one of my favorite books, I don't, I'm sure you maybe have read it, is Fanatical Prospecting. But he talks about, you know, a lot of those concepts of like, you need to be spending most of your time doing revenue generating activities, you know, and making that last call, that last call is where the gold happens. And he also talks about the 30 day rule, which is like the actions you take over these 30 days are going to have repercussions on your business over the next 90 to 120 days, which is why you see so many times the people that are closing two to three loans a month, they'll close two, three loans a month. And then all of a sudden in 90 days, they'll have a goose egg because guess what? They were chasing conditions. They were calling those borrowers. They stopped doing the lead generating and revenue generating activities that they were doing, you know, 90 days prior to that month that they closed two, three, four loans, right? And that's typically what ends up happening. And what would you say is like the easiest way to make sure that you do that? I mean, you talk about the calendars. That would you say is the best way? Yeah, I would say putting on your calendar. And then this comes simply from the book, Atomic Habits. And actually also comes from the book, Willpower Doesn't Work, is stacking habits, right? So like, you seem like a pretty fit guy. I'm guessing you already have a habit of going to whatever CrossFit four times a week. Well, if you know that's a habit that's already ingrained in your psyche and your calendar, awesome. As soon as you leave CrossFit, 
before you give yourself the reward of taking a shower and cleaning up, sit in your car with your little clipboard and make 10 calls. If you're the type of person that always drinks your second cup of coffee around 9.30, stack another habit on top of the one that already exists. Mm. I'm going to make my call when I'm having that second cup of coffee, right? And if you're the type, if you're like me and you're a junkie for iced tea, if I haven't made my calls by 11 o'clock when I go drive to Starbucks because I need to get out of the house because I work from the house, I live in the house, I always drive to Starbucks at 11 o'clock for an iced tea, even though I've got an iced tea here. I'm like, well, I'm sitting in my car and I'm making 10 prospecting calls before I walk in and get my iced tea. And I don't want all that ice to melt in my iced tea that I just ordered on the app. So I better knock these calls out on the drive over there. So it's like, try to stack the lead generation habit on top of something that you already do. Yeah, that's smart. I actually never, uh, I don't even think I have Atomic Habits, but I don't know if I ever actually read it. So I got to pull that out and dust it off. And if I don't have it, I'll have to buy it. So uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about that book though. To sort of wrap things up, man, I know you got a podcast. I know you have a book. I know you have coaching. Like what's the best place for people to learn a little bit more about you, you know, find some resources about, you know, things like that. Like if they want to connect with you, where's kind of the best places to find you? Yeah, man, on all the social media, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, I'm Scott L. Groves. It's L for, well, whether you love me or you think I'm a loser, whatever, the L just kind of takes one of those places. Uh, So Scott L. Groves, facebook.com forward slash Scott L. Groves, or on Instagram, Scott L. Groves. Get in touch with me. I got links to my book and my coaching and mortgage business and all that stuff and all those places, but I'm pretty active on Instagram and Facebook. So Find me there. We'll start a conversation. I'm like an intellectual philanthropist. I can't help but help people. So if you want anything, follow up that we've talked about today, copy of my book, whatever, just get in touch and we'll figure it out. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here, Scott. For anybody who's listening, I think my biggest, probably a couple takeaways, but my first takeaway was like lead generate, man. I know that's what I think your book's called lead generate. And so that's the biggest thing, right? Like you have to spend more time lead generating. And again, if you're having issues right now and you're not getting deals, Unfortunately, like you said, I mean, you're going to have to do more. It's going to be probably 4X as hard this year to get business. So you might have to do 4X the amount of work. So think about it from that perspective. If, if you're not lead generating, you're going to you know, die on the vine, like you mentioned earlier. So that was a big thing. And then also you're a salesperson at the end of the day, like be a salesperson. Part of your job is to show people why you are the best fit for them. And if you don't believe you're the best fit for them, then maybe that's why you are an advisor and you say that you know, you're just going to educate them and you're not going to get them past their fear. So those are the two big takeaways that I got from that is you have to lead generate regardless of what you do. If it's social media, if it's cold calling, if it's door knocking, if it's going to real estate agent offices, you have to lead generate every single day. If you want to have a business that's bringing you deals every single day, right? Every day, man. So the way. Awesome, man. Well, so if you're looking for ways to flip the status quo on your real estate agent partners, you can visit flipthestatusquo.com and learn a little bit more about what we do. Scott, thank you so much for being here. Great podcast. And thank you for everybody for listening. Have a great day. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.